0: Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Good to be with you for day 425. And this is 2 Samuel chapter 10 as we're continuing in the kingship of David. And David's going to be going to battle against the Ammonites and against the Syrians. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for another time in your Word. It's a blessing to be able to wake up in the morning and be able to spend time in your Word because your Word is a gift a blessing a treasure and the greatest treasure that your word holds is your son your word reveals your son to us who is our inheritance who is our salvation who is our righteousness and our peace and who is just the the blessing of God to us so draw our hearts closer to Christ even as we look at the life of David in your word this morning we pray this in Jesus name amen amen 2 Samuel chapter 10, after this, the king of the Ammonites died, and Hanan his son reigned in his place, and David said, I will deal loyally with Hanan the son of Nahash, as his father dealt loyally with me. So David sent by his servants to console him concerning his father, and David's servants came into the land of the Ammonites. But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanan their lord, Do you think, because David has sent comforters to you, that he is honoring your father?" "'Has not David sent his servants to you to search the city "'and to spy it out and to overthrow it?' "'So Hanan took David's servants "'and shaved off half the beard of each "'and cut off their garments in the middle at their hips "'and sent them away. "'When it was told, David, he sent to meet them, "'for the men were greatly ashamed. "'And the king said, "'Remain at Jericho until your beards have grown "'and then return.' When the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, the Ammonites sent and hired the Syrians of Beth-Rehab and the Syrians of Zoba, 20,000 foot soldiers, and the king of Maacah with a 1,000 men, and the men of Tob, 12,000 men. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. And the Ammonites came out and drew up in battle array, at the entrance of the gate, and the Syrians of Zobah and of Rehob and the men of Tob and Maacah were by themselves in the open country. When Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and to the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in charge of Abishai his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites, and he said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near to battle against the Syrians and they fled before him. And when the Ammonites saw that the Syrians fled... They likewise fled before Abishai and entered the city. Then Joab returned from fighting against the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. But when the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered themselves together. And Hadadezer sent and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the Euphrates. They came to Helam, with Shobak and the commander of the army of Hadadezer at their head. And when it was told David, he gathered all Israel together and crossed the Jordan and came to Helam. The Syrians arrayed themselves against David and fought with him, and the Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed of the Syrians 700 chariots and 40,000 horsemen, and wounded Shobach, the commander of the army, so that he died there. And when all the kings who were servants of hadad saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and became subject to them. So the Syrians were afraid to save the Ammonites anymore. That is 2 Samuel chapter 10. So this is a very uh, important war that David is drawn into, not due to any thing that he did intentionally, but because of the foolish actions of the princes of the Ammonites. David is trying to be honorable, and is trying to be uh, loyal to someone who's been loyal to him. He had good relations with the Ammonites, and he sends his servants out to try to presume, to try to continue the good relationships with the Ammonites. And... It just didn't go very well because these probably young men who have come up and they are the princes. They plant doubts in the mind of Hanan, the king of the Ammonites. And they say, this is just a trick. David's not an honorable guy. David's not someone you can trust and someone you can deal with. And so they thought they would flex their muscles a little bit show how big and tough they were, cut off half the beard of the servants, right? Probably like shaving half of their face so that it takes a while for their beard to grow back. It's not like they cut off the bottom half and they still had a full beard. It's like they shaved half of their face and then they cut off their garments at the hips, right? And that would be obviously uh, humiliating and sent them on their way. And so they came to Jericho. Jericho's right across the Jordan River. It's the first city you come to when you cross the Jordan River. That's why when they... Uh, Jewish people entered the, Israelites entered the promised land under Joshua. That's the first city they came to. It's right there uh, across the Jordan, and they stay there. And David says, we're going to address this. We're going to make sure that your shame, your humiliation is dealt with properly. Now, the Ammonites, they realize what they've done. I think these young men come to their senses after these servants go off and they go to Jericho and they look at each other and they think, we have poked the bear, haven't we? We have really done something that was kind of foolish. And so they realize their foolishness and to address their foolishness, they send money to the Syrians. Now the Syrians, they live north of the Ammonites and they live northeast of Israel And they have a pretty large, pretty expansive, and pretty powerful country. The Ammonites are much smaller and much less powerful by comparison. So they send to the Syrians, and they get certain Syrians. Not all of Syria. They get certain ones from certain cities. Syria is like a large kingdom with many kings that are part of it. And so they get certain ones from certain cities. And they've got a pretty good army. They've got tens of thousands, right? And they're coming, and Joab goes with all the mighty men. Now, we're not told how many that is, all the mighty men. But we know that they get there thinking that they're going to go up against the Ammonites. They think that they're going to go up against uh, these Ammonites and and are going to bring them to task for humiliating these servants of David. And they don't know that there's been 20,000 foot soldiers from Zobah and 1,000 from Mecca and 12,000 from Tob. So there's there's 33,000 men that they've, they've not really accounted for in their calculations of, oh, let's go up against the Ammonites. And they get to the city wall and they're kind of laying siege and going to breach the city. And all of a sudden behind them comes this army of 33,000 people. Joab, for all of his Character flaws is a very skilled general, a very skilled tactician, and a very fierce fighter. And he and his brother Abishai are both very experienced warriors. And so he devises a plan. He says, I'll take part of the army, we'll go against the Syrians. The Syrians really are the superior force, and that's why Joab goes uh, and takes. The best men of Israel, some of the best men of Israel and goes up against the Syrians and the rest, there's the best and the rest. So he takes the best and he leaves his brother with the rest and the rest go against the Ammonites. And when Joab is able to beat the Syrians, the Ammonites realize, wait a minute, our professional hired help, this 33,000 soldiers from this great powerful kingdom that we've hired, they're getting routed. We're in trouble. And so they panic and they flee and so then these syrians they go and they go back home and they tell the rest of the syrians we've been defeated by uh david's army we need to rally everybody together and so they get all the rest of the syrians and that's going to be a lot that's going to be a rather substantial army because it's the rest of the syrians so david now comes himself and he says, "We're going to have to rally all of Israel Before it was Joab and Abishai and the host of mighty men, but now it's David himself and all of Israel, and they come. And David routs the Syrians. Uh, just it, this is a, a massive battle for ancient times to have 40,000 horsemen, 700 chariots defeated. We don't even know how many men were in the battle. we just know how many were killed. That is a massive, massive routing, and this does two things. The Syrians say, uh, ah, we don't want to mess with Israel anymore," and the Ammonites also say, mm, "We're not going to call for help anymore because we're uh, not going to get it." And the Syrians are like, "Well, good, good, because if you call us for help, we're not going to come to your help anymore." So, even though David wasn't looking for this battle, he comes through it. Well, what do we learn? What does this have to do? What's this? You know, three thousand year old battle on the east side of the Jordan River, in uh, today what's Jordan? Uh, what does that have to do with us in our lives today? Well, you know, sometimes, as believers, we are drawn into conflict because of the scheming of our enemy, who sets traps for us. Sometimes it's a conflict with our flesh. Sometimes it's a conflict with the world. Sometimes it's a conflict with Satan and his doubts and his accusations against the good character of God. But we're drawn into a conflict that was not of our own making. And there are times when we can feel like we are surrounded and outnumbered. In those cases, what we need to realize, first of all, that the greater son of David has fought the greater battle against the greater enemy and has already secured the victory. We need to remind ourselves of that first. I mean, how impressive is it for David to have this battle where he captures 40,000 horsemen and, and, and destroys and kills 700 chariots and chariot drivers and horses? That's a, that's a massive victory. But you know, the Lord Jesus won a greater victory, a far greater victory against a far more deadly enemy. And he has won the victory. It is finished. The battle has been decided. So when we're drawn into a conflict that is not of our own making, we can realize, wait a minute. I don't need to panic. I don't need to compromise my testimony. I don't need to flee before the enemy. I don't need to um, disobey God to try to make some solution work. The most important and most decisive issues of life and eternity have been settled by the captain of my salvation. The commander of the armies of heaven has taken my sin, my shame, my death, my hell upon himself and has defeated all of it. So now, when the enemy attacks, we know we're dealing with a defeated foe. When the enemy attacks, we know we're dealing with someone who cannot destroy us. They may be able to kill the body. I mean, Thankfully, none of us live in you know, situations where that's a realistic thing, although maybe you're watching this on YouTube from other, some other part of the world, and that is a realistic thing. But for us in America, we don't really face that realistically. But even if someone were to kill the body, that's all they can do. They send us to heaven with Jesus. It doesn't undo the victory that Jesus has won for us. And Satan and the world and our flesh, they're defeated enemies. They can rage. They can attack. They can can muster their troops. They can surround us. They can make us feel outnumbered. They can try to put us into a panic. But they're defeated. And so they're really powerless against the people of God. So what we need to do is stand together trust in the lord and fight the fight that is in front of us but not in our own strength in the strength of him who is already overcome that's what ephesians 6 means when it says put on the full armor of god it means fight with the power of christ who is our righteousness who is our salvation who is the one we trust in faith the one whose word we wield the one who is the truth right we fight not in our own strength not on our own clever doing but in the power of the finished work and the victorious captain, Jesus Christ. And we go in his name and the victory has already been won. So that's what we can draw from this and how we can apply it to our lives is to be confident, but not self-confident. To stand our ground faithfully, knowing that no matter what happens, if we hold forth the Lord Jesus Christ, if we trust in him, The victory is already won and we are secure in his hands let's pray father thank you for the victory that is ours in jesus christ we are so thankful for such good news help us to walk in confident faith in the captain of our salvation for it is in his name that we pray amen amen well speaking of victory tomorrow we're going to be back in the gospel of mark for the resurrection of Jesus, that victory over sin, death, and hell. And so Mike will be back with us tomorrow. Have a blessed day in the Lord.